Isa, dalawa, tatlo, go! Welcome back to Sparking Creativity. We are your hosts. I'm Justin, and that is... I'm not Justin. Did I say I'm Justin? <laughs> Keep it. <laughs> you be Justin this time, and I... I'll be Trevor. <laughs> oh, boy. It's not even late at night for me. I am Trevor, and that is Justin. Say hi, Justin. Hi, Justin. In case you don't... <laughs> oh, my goodness. In case you don't know our voices by now. Oh, we're in a silly mood today. We are going to do things a little bit differently, and we want you to hear this story quick, so take a listen. We were invited to have a week-long ethno-arts workshop among the Blaan, one of the minority groups in Southern Philippines. In the workshop, participants were given the opportunity to talk about their many art forms, their dances, musical instruments, their colorful attire, headwear, accessories, tools, etc., they danced to the rhythm and melody of their lute and gongs. They sang old songs and created new ones in their language. Together, we studied what the scriptures say about the different artistic ways God and His people communicate. The Blaan participants slowly began to realize that what they have in their culture is valuable, that what they have, their language and their arts, they could use to celebrate and praise God with. At the end of the workshop, these are what some of them testified. We could create songs and that in our language. They're our own. Another said, Ma'am, it had to be you, an outsider, who showed us that what we have is important and valuable. From a pastor. This is really important to us. We don't need to look down on ourselves. We can be proud that we are blaan. I can now walk without being ashamed of being a blaan. A young lady minister said, If you, our teachers, had planned to come just for your own gain, I pray that you would not arrive. But God brought you, and we are thankful. I like my fellow blaan to be proud and not ashamed. Okay, so the story was sent in by a friend and colleague of ours named Rose, and we were asking for stories, and she was one of the first ones that sent one in uh, with her own voice recorded, which we appreciate. And there were so many great things that um, happened in this story. Uh, one of the favorite things that we love is communities being able to realize and recognize that they have something that's valuable and uh, something that they can use in, in their worship. Um, but what really stuck out to me was the one quote that's, that said that it had to be you, an outsider, uh, who showed us that what we have is important and valuable. And that just really struck me because we've talked about the ways that an ethno-arts worker can come alongside communities and help. Um, and oftentimes, in, in most of our stories, I believe they've all been outsiders, for the most part, who have been... Uh, have been involved and been the the ones to help spark some of that creativity. And we've talked about, you know, why, why do we need outsiders? Um, we've t- talked about our, um, the question of, are, are the insiders not, not coming up with their own stuff? Or are they not 
worshiping with their stuff. There's the, so we've, we've sort of covered some of that, but I just wanted to go into this deeper. There's so much there about the role that an outsider can play in, in helping and coming alongside a community. And there's also this dynamic of what's uh, the, the potential harm that an outsider could do or uh, mm-hmm. how they could hinder um, this sort of awakening in a community. And so what better person to talk about this topic other than a couple of outsiders, but someone who uh, <laughs> is a part of both of those worlds. She's an insider in her own community, and she also serves and, and goes to other communities and helps. So she could really uh, helps go deeper into this topic uh, a little bit more. So uh, thankfully, she uh, met with us and let us ask a few questions and shared some more stories. And so we're going to hear from her and, yeah. and go, go deeper. You're going to love it. Here we go. Here's our conversation with Rose. We are here with our very special guest, our first guest ever. And it is a real privilege and treat to have her. Will you please introduce yourself? Hello, Justin. Hi, Trevor. Uh, Hello. Magandang umaga, magandang hapon, magandang gabi. Uh, ako po si Rose. I'm Rose uh, from the Philippines, serving in the area of ethno arts and orality. Hello to everyone all over the world. This is so exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. So good to have you here. We are thrilled. Uh, to have you especially talk about the topic today. Before we dive in, though, um, I think it would be great to hear how you became involved in this area of ethno arts and orality and, and what that looks like for you. Uh, thank you for that question. I have been a music teacher and a semin- seminary instructor for many years. I play, played music in church. And I thought that was to be my lifelong calling, you know, just be in the church and in the school. Then I sensed this strange leading from the Lord to leave the seminary where I've been teaching for many years and to serve him through music where people did not know the Lord yet. And as I was figuring out what that meant, I came across a three-month training program that had music and missions as its tagline and i knew that was where the lord was leading me to do so um yeah it was a step of faith to uh take a break from the seminary and eventually resign and um yeah not know knowing where my next uh salary or funds will come from but uh, i just knew that the lord was leading me to serve people who did not know him yet and that was through music and the arts and yeah it was through training in um, a school in thailand i don't know if that answered your question justin yes absolutely yeah sure yeah i i just want to say too that anyone stepping into this work is taking a step of faith because as we've talked about on the show before it's it's kind of new it's a new area of service it's it's something that's very exciting for those 
who have some type of arts background um, and understand that you know how meaningful that can be and um, we're so glad that you took that step and and excited to hear how God has been been teaching you and using you and and learning from your experience um, one thing that Trevor and I have said from the beginning is we still feel very new to all of this and there's so many people out there and we we want this podcast to be a place where people can hear and share and be encouraged so uh thank you so much we're very excited yeah and it's great to have um someone with a a different perspective from a different part of the world you know your story is similar in many ways to ours but um you do have a different perspective and uh we've been talking a lot about the just the difference between uh, insiders and outsiders in a community when you're working with them and what it's like to be, um, you know, in, in our context, we've largely been the outsiders trying to learn, trying to grow, trying to understand the culture and the language. And, um, and so we're curious on your perspective of, of that insider outsider dynamic in the different roles, the different, um, things that you've been able to contribute to. So one question we have is, what are some ways that outsiders can influence a culture's arts and their worship in a negative way? But, we'll get to the positive later, but <laughs> in a negative way. Yes, but, there are things to look out for. Yeah, yes. But thank you for your introduction, Trevor, because that uh, before I maybe answer uh, right away, um, just a background. So when I studied uh, outside my country, I suddenly became uh, an outsider of my own culture looking inside now mm. because that's what we were being taught right to learn to look at your own culture and I realized how much I did not know about who I am uh, back home um, in fact it was funny I always tell this story so my classmates all had um, you know had their costumes uh, their local attire bring brought to the classroom and I did not have any except a t-shirt that I bought from the mall that said Philipp Philippines <laughs> because I did not know what what uh, my local attire is um, and because we don't normally use it or it's, it's expensive also mm. um, and I had to google what does it mean to be a Filipino I was like, because I did not know, and then I said, oh, I'm not the only one asking questions. So uh, we are a very interesting mix in the Philippines. Uh, we were colonized for many years by Spain and then by the U.S. Um, mm. So our, uh, in, where I live in Central Philippines, uh, that influence is very much felt, especially in the churches. So we sing uh, Western hymns, we sing... Uh, songs from Hillsong, songs from UK, songs from the US, mm. and um, we rarely uh, sing songs from our own uh, until maybe the 80s when there was this awakening of, you know, trying to uh, sing in the language. But there's also this area, the North and the South, where uh, it was relatively untouched by Western influence. And so when we say Filipino, we want to claim those <laughs> cultures right. in the North and the South, And but we're really, the ones in the center are really kind of lost because that's not really ours too. So hmm. when we went to these uh, cultures uh, to teach ethno arts, we really did feel we were foreigners in our own land. Mm -hmm. So a negative influence, um, 
What are some ways outsiders can influence a culture's arts and worship in a negative way? I guess when it's one-sided, when outsiders think that they alone could give or teach or help or that they are better or what they have is better. I kind of had that attitude when I was beginning to work, like I knew better, like I was the hero. Uh, when they forget, when I forgot that God has already been working before we came in or before outsiders came into the scene. Um, there's this uh, sad story and until now they're reaping uh, some of the consequences uh, in the South. I shared this in one of the papers in a recent conference where the missionaries said that their attire and some of their cultural practices were not for God, they were, um, you know, for spirits. And so many of their elders stopped going to church and um, uh, now that the Christians are starting to wear the local attire, there's a mixed message. I thought you're not supposed to wear that. And um, so are you Christians or are you no. from our, you know, our belief, our ancestors' belief? So. Um, yeah, I guess. I don't know if that answered your question, Trevor. Yeah, no, that's, that is great. I mean, we, we have talked quite a bit about that. Um, it sounds like what you're saying in some sense is that Christianity is seen as, as other, as separate from, from cultures in, in that case, that it's Western or it's, you know, it's, it's seen with all of the baggage, all of the influence from another culture. Um, and it's not mixed. It's not, uh, you know, truly a part of the culture or, or outside of the culture, really, that Christianity doesn't need to be um, one culture or another, but it's, it's for everyone. So that's, that's very good. It's, it's a very interesting perspective, especially when you were talking about going to school and flipping your perspective and saying, I don't really understand who I am. I think I've, I've been there too. Once, once leaving my own country and then coming back, I go, oh my goodness, my culture uh, I didn't really know what it was, but I'm seeing it in a totally different way now that I've just physically been removed for a little while from it. And then you come back and you start to notice those things. So that's, that's very insightful. Thank you. One thing I've heard and, and from my experience has been, we've been told by insiders that previously outsiders have come in with whatever whatever intentions they had, even for the best of intentions, and viewed whether it was their language or an art form or some artistic expression as either being outright sinful or not not appropriate for worship because of whatever mm-hmm. the roots were, whatever they had, um, whatever their beliefs and um, worship practices were previously and um, and and by outsiders I, I don't just mean people like us who've come from another country it could be the whatever the 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 host culture is in that country also there can be um, what I would I would consider maybe just a lack of understanding um, or just an ignorance to what it means to them and just assume that it's bad. And we, and my culture has had this where, where certain instruments were used in rock music. And so that wasn't going to be appropriate for worship. And 
Um, I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit to the, yeah, just that lack of knowledge that, that, that people um, have when they first encounter something or they see something that um, doesn't sit right because they don't understand it. What could they do instead um, yeah. approaching it for the first time? That actually is a, like almost an entire paradigm shift <laughs> and a conversion of the heart and mind. Because um, it's, I guess it's human nature to judge so fast and then uh, only belatedly realize if the Lord shows us that we've been judging according to our own standard, our own cu cultural standards. Um, I guess I, I would probably say to, it's so easy to say withhold judgment, right? So withhold judgment, but it's just so automatic to judge. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, withhold judgment, I think, comes of just being open to learn, as, as you said earlier, uh, Justin, being open to learn uh, what is the root, and that would take time, knowing what questions to ask, knowing, knowing when to ask, and um, to just really come with a clean slate, like not pretending to know nothing, but really having a stance that I don't know anything, so that you're open to learn and learn from others. And I don't know if I'm answering it, but it's like, if you know so much, the other person knows so much too. It's not mm -hmm. that you're not better or you're not inferior from the other. So yeah, that's that's one of the things that took a long time to change for me, is that um, uh, delaying judgment, withholding judgment, so that I am able to be more compassionate and and be more understanding, yeah. Did I answer that question, Justin? <laughs> yes, yeah, thank you. It's a, yeah, just being curious and being open to, to learning, yeah. setting aside your own whatever meaning you might assign to what you see yes. from your background, but I like that with withholding judgment until mm -hmm. you you find out one way or the other. Yes. There was this um, quote, and I maybe one of you would know where it's from. I I keep going back to it, but now I, I, it's lost in my files. It said something <laughs> like, um, uh, when you go to a new place, uh, it's good to remove your sandals, to remember that you're, you're treading on holy ground, lest you forget mm. that God was there first. Mm -hmm. Something like that. So if any one of you out there would know <laughs> where that <laughs> quote is from, it has helped me a lot. It's like, yes, God has been here. So, you know, it's not my work. And I, yeah. I cannot change people. Only God can do that. But I can love and I can listen and I can learn from them. So. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, that's so beautiful. This is a good segue into... What are some ways that outsiders could contribute to what God is already doing there in the community with their arts in in a positive way? How how can we how can we come alongside and, and help? Yeah. Um, yes, by some of it I mentioned earlier, like by being uh, genuinely interested. 
asking questions, being sensitive to our blind spots as insiders, because we do have blind spots, and lovingly pointing that out to us. But we can only accept what you're saying if we trust you, if we know you. Um, I always like to share the story of our colleague, Maria. Um, so, so we're in ethno arts. Uh, we go to communities, we encourage people to sing in their language, to use their musical styles and dance their traditional dances. So that's what our language is, and I preach that very well. <laughs> and then Maria is from Australia, <clears throat> and she says she she's serving in the she served in the Philippines with her husband. And <clears throat> you know, with tears in her eyes, one time she asked me. We were in a coffee shop, and she said. Ati Rose, she said, I cannot understand you. That why, why do you preach to uh, the communities, use your language, use your, create your songs and dance your dances, but when I go to your church, you, you sing, shout to the Lord, that's mm. our song. <laughs> she said, she was really crying. And I was like, I didn't know what to answer. I, I tried to answer very defensively, you know. Um, but uh, I think that was for me very, how do you say, very, very helpful. I wasn't offended with her question because she said it in, in earnest, in all honesty, in all innocence also. She really wanted to know because how come me, I preached one thing and then I was practicing another. And it pushed me to study why. Why do we do that? Why do I do this still? even if I was trained in ethno arts and, and it forced me to write an article and it's still an ongoing uh, study and ongoing challenge living out what we teach to others and, um, and it's not easy. I found out it's not easy because I was up against history and hmm. hundreds of years of practice and, uh, and mindset. So. Uh, I should not think that it's easy to change that. Um, and it really, really needs the Holy Spirit and the community of believers. Uh, so, yeah, I'm very helpful for Maria, an outsider, giving that insight. And I also need to remember that I have, we have blind spots as insiders. That's why I always believe in the role of outsiders, that outsiders it's, it should not, uh, outsiders should not totally leave um, in the places where they're serving because they're very, very helpful in a lot of areas that insiders don't see. So. Yeah. That's, it's interesting to, to hear that. Yeah. The, just the role of a, of a passionate outsider coming in and saying, saying that to you. Um, and just, it's it's that it's that spark we talk about all the time. It might not be sparking creativity. It might just be sparking you to remember and to remind yourself um, of your own culture and your own you know the the own struggles you have. And that's really interesting. Um, not that the outsider had the answers for you, but could at least see you from a different perspective. And I think that's um, sometimes the only role that someone coming in from any type of outside position, even if it's just a, a, a neighboring town, um, can come alongside and say, hey, I'm seeing this thing that you might not be aware of because you live it every day. 
Um, I think that's, that's very important to have that kind of insight and that kind of discernment to be able to say, um, maybe something needs to, to shift or to change in you. So that's very, very good. That's a very good, uh, reminder to me. If I may add, I think it also helped that she, Maria lived in our country for a long time. And right. we were friends. So right. I think, Absolutely. yes, to speak into, uh, how do you say, to speak into a negative or, you know, an, an mm-hmm. observation right away, it will probably build walls rather than yes. rather than bridges. So, yeah, maybe, you know how we do it first in workshops. We, we ask, what are you proud of in your culture? Mm-hmm. You know, um, how do you say, appreciative inquiry. So, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. do those things first and then earn Earn your right to speak um, mm. those valuable um, insights. Yeah, and that that is very, very uh, excellent insight and clarification. So I appreciate that. I hear you saying that relationships are really important for <laughs> for this dynamic to work for insiders and outsiders to collaborate and um, yes. be able, yeah, to be able to work together. That's right, Justin. Um, and so I imagine it's different in if you're in a workshop setting, like if you're going to a, a different village that you, you you don't know these people and you've been invited in. Um, that that situation would be you have a lot less time, I guess, to build relationships than if if you were like Maria, who's lived in the country for a long time and had opportunity to connect and and build those relationships. Um, and so both are important. So what do you do when you are just there for a week or two and, and have that opportunity to pour into people and, and get to know them? Do you have some, some thoughts on how you can build those relationships quickly enough to earn that right? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, I guess the first few days, first few hours are very important. Like, um, you know, uh, genuinely... Um, Letting them feel that they're loved at the at the get-go, uh, that they're special. Um, I remember we had just a few days uh, in one place. It wasn't even a workshop, um, but we were asking questions and appreciating this older lady who was singing so long lines, you know, without breathing in the middle. <laughs> and um, so we were like so impressed. And so we said, wow, that's so good. Um, and, and we were just, you know, affirming her. And I don't know what else we did, but after we left, she told somebody who told us that, you know, because in that village, many, many foreigners, many outsiders come and said, they're different. He said they, they they were describing us as different um they're they, like she felt uh, comfortable with us and i said what did we do and i think it's just that we we cheered her <laughs> when she sang mm-hmm. and and maybe yeah so i think genuinely appreciating people um whenever you see something good in them or something that you think is beautiful um knowing their names is also important um we have this favorite activity, right, with our mentor. Um, she would ask us to draw our names, or and and that's such a a, a very how do you say? Uh, it's an activity that uh, sparks creativity in people, and yet you 
get insights on who they are. And so you know, those activities where you just get to know them a little bit more in, not in an informal, friendly manner. And of course, letting them sing song, their songs, um, not you listening, uh, not you singing first, but <laughs> them, <laughs> them singing first, so that you get to applaud them. Um, yeah, eating with them when it's time for snacks and breaks. Eating with them. Um, yeah, having pictures taken with them. Oh, they love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And learning to listen, yes, that's another one. Uh, learning to listen, and if they have a question, <laughs> I have learned not to answer the questions. <laughs> 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 to ask the question and then ask with more, uh, answer with more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's another thing that I've learned, yes, because I think to give them answers. Oh, as it Todd said, uh, give them the dignity of answering questions. So I said, wow. Um, yeah, so it, yeah, it gives value to them when they are able to answer their own questions without, mm. without them realizing it sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know, Justin, is that what you were asking about? <laughs> sometimes I get to... Oh, that's very good. That That just reminded me of the, the difficulty um, I had while working in, in South America, just learning the culture that we were working in, we found out after a while that, that you couldn't just ask questions and expect answers. Like you, I think you just said it a little bit that you have to find the way to get them to answer a question without thinking they're answering a question sometimes based on, on that culture. And, you know, we just wanted to know so much. We wanted to learn. We wanted to ask those questions. But in their culture, they're just saying, why are they asking these questions? This is, it's so aggressive. It's so, it's yes. so different. So it was genuinely, it was, it was years of building a relationship before we got to the point where now people will send us information, even, you know, just via um, their, their smartphones and without being prompted, without being asked, because they understand that we value that and we love to know them and we love to get to know more about them and their families and their culture and appreciate it, as you're saying. So that's, that's really good insight, um, finding the right way to, to approach and to ask and um, give value. That's very, very good. Thank you for the reminder, Trevor, because um, <laughs> it's also hard when we realized like there was this one community <laughs> that, yes, the elders did not appreciate us asking questions because mm-hmm. it was disrespectful. <laughs> they mm-hmm. asked the questions, not the younger ones. So, but um, I don't know how we, I think we're still navigating through that, <laughs> um, <laughs> that experience. So thanks for the reminder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very very individual. Mm. So everyone's experience can contribute. To the, you know, just sharing these even with with each other. Those of us who who work in this field, it's really good to hear different experiences to be aware to have more tools in your tool belt um, down the right. line. Should you run into a problem, say, oh, I, I think I heard someone talk about that. Maybe I should maybe I should call Rose and see <laughs> <laughs> what insight she has into getting to know this culture. So that's very good. Um, what, as you look, as you look ahead, as you, um, 
are planning for the future as you're seeing what's happening around you or seeing new recruits come up what what are your hopes uh, and dreams for the future of ethno arts just as a field what are some things that you look forward to uh, with hope mm-hmm. um, that's an entire paper <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've written here some like uh, that the different ethno-linguistic groups will be encouraged to use their language and art forms to worship the loving and living God. Um, that they too may learn to listen to other voices. Um, sometimes when we go to communities and they are listened to, so they're very, very happy. And that hopefully that will also spark them to listen to others and that it's not just their own voice. So that all may know that a thousand languages, a thousand musical sounds, a thousand colors cannot begin to declare how big and how great our God is. So yeah, maybe just more, more of, more of this, more of us, <clears throat> maybe going out and encouraging, and more, more voices being heard. Um, yeah, the kaleidoscope of worship. Mm. Um, it's boring, right? If it's just one style. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so yes, God made just a colorful world out there, and um, yeah. Beautiful sentiment, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking about the the implications or the applications of all of this in. Um, in our own our own circles, whether whether we live cross culturally or not, we all have neighbors and friends and people that work at the grocery store that you see all the time, and we're, we're surrounded by people that we would be considered outsiders too. Um, and just I I appreciate your heart for, for for getting to know people and just being open and, and curious because that could. That translates and applies to any situation, no matter who we are and, and what we're doing. We can be a light, the light of Christ in that way. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and that I need to remind myself, too, that um, my being a light is not just in workshops or in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right, Justin. Um, it's also in well, the grocery store, yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... I guess if for those of us who are in this kind of work full time or even part time, there's that becomes your area of ministry. But but God puts so many people in our paths and so many people around us um, that we could be curious and notice and and learn from. And in that that way, our our own lives are also enriched from the beauty and the color and mm-hmm. like you said, all that that's around us. Well, Rose, I am so grateful for this conversation. We, we could take this so much further and deeper. I just wonder if, if you have any, any final thoughts for um, what, what, would you, um, what would you, as an, as an insider of your own communities, want outsiders to know mm-hmm. if they were to be working in, in your context or working with any, any communities? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, to get to know us first before uh, 
recommending pro uh, solutions to our problems. <laughs> getting to know us first, getting to know our stories, our successes, our struggles, getting to know our journey with God, um, I think, and then so that we can have a conversation. Um, yeah. And I guess, yeah, that it's that it's a dialogue. It's a, it's not just us listening to you. Hopefully, you'll have time to listen to us too. Great. Thank you so much, Rose. It's been Thank a pleasure. You. Thank you, too. This has been wonderful. Thank you for letting me talk and talk. <laughs> Absolutely. <Anytime. laughs> Come back. Share more stories. Thank you. It doesn't you. need to be just us. <laughs> yes, this has been wonderful. Thank you. Now go spark creativity wherever you are. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. We would love to hear what you thought. What resonated with you today? What questions did this raise? Anything you'd like to learn more about? Maybe you have stories you'd like to share. Please feel free to contact us at ethnoartspod at gmail.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ethnoartspod. We also invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. This will help others to find out about the show. Please feel free to share the podcast with others. We look forward to sharing more with you next time on Sparking Creativity, the Ethno Arts Podcast. <laughs>